0: Coke Koch Scholar family and friends, welcome to The Sip, the podcast that shares a taste of how Koch scholars around the world are igniting positive change. This season features amazing panels of scholar experts discussing interesting and timely topics. My name is Aisha Shepi, and I'm excited to lead you through this season. I'm a proud 2020 Koch Scholar, originally from Miami, Florida, and now a junior at Princeton University studying medical anthropology. I also have my own podcast called The Hybrid Podcast. For those who are listening and may not be a Coca-Cola scholar, welcome. We're so glad you're here. To give you a little background, the Coca-Cola Scholars Foundation is the largest achievement-based and corporate-sponsored scholarship program in the country. Each year, it awards $20,000 to 150 high school seniors across the country who share a unique passion for service and leadership. There are now over 6,000 Coke Scholars creating positive change around the world. If you want to learn more, you can visit their website, coca-colascholarsfoundation.org. In this episode, Samuel Wakefield, Nelda Brown, and Dr. Laura Freuden will discuss navigating the ups and downs of parenthood, particularly during a pandemic, and some tips they've learned along the way. Let me tell you a little about these amazing Coke Scholar parents. Samuel Wakefield, a 2001 Koch Scholar, is father to four precocious daughters. He leads Organizer Zero Project, an organization that believes that when parents have the tools and resources they need to advocate for educational equity, then they can lead their own liberation. He's also a published author on fatherhood, an avid educational blogger, and former elementary school teacher. Nelda Brown, a 1989 Koch Scholar, became the custodial guardian and primary caregiver for her then three-year-old cousin, Eric, in 2007. She has led efforts to promote and expand curricular and co-curricular programs in our nation's K-12 schools and communities for nearly two decades, and currently serves as staff aide to Fairfax County School Board at-Large member, Karen Key Gamara. Leading this conversation is 2002 scholar, Dr. Laura Froyan who has a PhD in human development and family studies with a specialization in couple and family therapy. She's the mom to two children, Ellie and Evie. Laura helps families embrace more conscience and respectful parenting, forge deeper relationships, and live more purposeful and joyful lives through social media, coaching, online courses, and her chart-topping podcast, The Balanced Parent. Get ready, friends. Here are Samuel, Nelda, and Laura.
1: Hello, everybody. We are going to be talking about parenting with three Koch scholars. I'm Dr. Laura Freyan, I'm a 2002 Koch scholar, and I've got two kiddos who are nine and a half and almost seven, just a couple weeks to go there. And I'm joined by two other Koch scholars, Samuel Wakefield, a 2001 scholar, and Nelda Brown, a 1989 scholar. Um, Samuel, why don't you introduce yourself first and then we'll go to Nelda. Hey,
2: everybody, so Samuel Wakefield, uh... Like Laura said a 2001 scholar my wife and I we live here in Atlanta Georgia uh with four daughters um so stair step 12 9 6 and 3 always forget the last one's age um Ooh. and so yeah we have a lot of black girl magic in our household and uh that's what we do we make girls <laughs>
3: <laughs> and what about you Nelda so my name's Nelda I'm a coke scholar 1989, the very first class which seems like a hundred years ago. I'm actually parenting a, a now 18 year old um my um, I became a parent um when i my cousin i became his guardian at age three and so um yeah I' kind of i feel like I'm new to the game but not really and worn out all at the same time so
1: I mean, we're kind of
3: always new to the game,
1: right? Because they're always growing and developing. And, you know, Samuel, I don't know about you, but both of my kids are so different that it's like relearning for every single one. There's things that are the same developmentally, but they're so different and unique. I feel like I'm always learning, (laughs) always kind of an inexperienced parent. Yeah?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, new to the game is always changing, I say, Right? So... Uh, what my preteens are dealing with right now, my I'm so thankful for my girls who are my six and three-year-old, because they are still like, they run and meet me at the door. They're like, oh, daddy's home. You know, the preteens, they're like, they're, they're done with me at this point. So, you know, I'm like, I still have this other, we call them the bigs and the littles in our household. So I still have the littles. Then I'm like, okay, these little two, they're still my friends right now. <laughs>
1: And um, Nelda, did you find that ch- challenges changed
3: over yeah, the well, years? Definitely the challenges changed. And I would actually say it's interesting because I began kind of approaching this like he was like me, right? Like and trying to approach parenting, like I was parenting a smaller version of myself. And I could not, I mean, he can be more different than me in wonderful ways. And so anyway, that's one of the things I had to learn quickly. This is not you. <laughs> what worked for you? Will not work for this one. And yeah, and I'm experiencing some of those same things that you all described, except I heard my, um, he just turned 18, called me that one the other day. So <laughs> <and> I <I'm> have <laughs> that to look forward to.
2: <laughs> that one. I yeah, like that it. That
3: one, yeah. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Nelda, I want to just hold to the light this wisdom that you're sharing. So there is this this very common quote that goes around in parenting circles to be the parent you needed as a child and you just touched on this point of wisdom that i work you know the parents that i work with all the time need to hear is that you you actually don't need to parent be the parent you needed as a child. You need to be the parent that you needed as a child to your own inner child. Cause that little one who's still inside us all needs a little bit of support and love, but you actually have a different person on the outside. So that wisdom was such a beautiful piece. I wanted to just hold to the light for a moment.
3: Well, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I often say I am a person of faith. And so I'm off. I often tell myself, let me be what he needs in this moment, Mm. right? Not Mm. what I want him, to be not what I probably would have appreciated but what he needs um in that particular moment so yeah, yeah. love that hence I the gray that hair yeah. <laughs>
2: that's that wisdom hair right Yeah, exactly that's what that is. That's right hey that's earned that's yes. earned wisdom
3: absolutely
1: oh, yeah and it's beautiful I'm starting to get these little streaks on the sides of my temples too that my girls tell me i look like elsa from frozen yeah. with and i i'm i'm okay with not that. a bad comparison no I'm, say, yeah. I'm good That's yeah. <laughs> good Elsa will take that yeah we'll yeah. take it we'll take some magic <laughs> um all right so we uh, our community of coke scholars submitted some questions for us do we want to dive into some of those questions sure. okay sure. Um, So let's start off with just kind of situating ourselves with where we've been for these past two years. Um, I know Samuel, you and I got to talk about parenting kind of towards the beginning of the pandemic. And now we're perhaps on our way out. And I'm kind of curious about what you've seen in your kids you know so you came into the pandemic with a, a probably what a one and a half year old a one year old um and what have you like with your four kids ranging big developmental stages what have you seen and and kind of the changes in them through this pandemic what are their struggles that they're facing
2: yeah yeah that's a big question i mean i i'll say that you know for us as a family pre-pandemic we probably Looked like a lot of other families. Um, you know, we were kids were in gymnastics and dance and activities, and you know, I'm traveling each week for work. And I mean, you know, we had the schedule that looked like were we all insane all the time for no reason. Go right? go 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 go. Um, yeah. Right, right, um, because you know, someone told us that we just had to hurry all the time. And uh, then the pandemic hit, and you know, for for our family, I mean, everything stopped and. In a lot of ways, uh, you know, I work in education. And so uh, one of the things that was really interesting to me, and I'm on the board of my, my kids' school, and so I, I had an opportunity to sort of watch their, you know, they were home during doing their uh, virtual learning and whatnot. And so I had an opportunity to sort of see what was going on. And, um, you know, I saw my oldest get completely disengaged, you know, in the whole learning process. Um, my oldest, too. Uh, and then, you know, my younger, two. Uh, one who was, you know, pre-pre-K and then the other one who was in the pre-K. You know, they were just really struggling with this idea of virtual learning at the time. And I just remember thinking as a family, you know, we we were like, this, none of this is working. And I think for a lot of parents, probably around the country at that point, I mean, my mini soapbox in, in terms of just education, I think a lot of families saw education was broken to begin with already, but this was a first, like an up close and like, wow. In their face. happening <laughs> every <laughs> single day? Okay, um, and so we we actually made a couple of big shifts, and one of the things we did was we pulled our kids out of school. Um, so I can talk more about that. But we we decided during the pandemic, you know what, you know, traditional schooling just doesn't work for our kids, and we had been leaning in that direction for a little while. But um, and and I'm a huge public school uh, advocate. I, I work at public schools. My kids go to public schools. Um, but schooling private, public, all of it, it just doesn't work uh, the way we, we we thought it should work. And so that was one of the big um, ahas for us, just how do we create environments where our kids can uh, thrive and, and do more self-directed learning. And I think the pandemic presented an opportunity for us to try something new uh, and we've sustained it since you know we started it last year. So um, I think that's probably been one of the biggest shifts for us, the, the reality that, okay, you know, this crisis has presented an opportunity let's not let this opportunity go to waste. Let's figure out how to milk it and how to make some adjustments. And one of the biggest ones was, you know, we changed the way our kids spent their time learning. Uh, Cause that that's half of their waking hours, you know, it's uh, huge. Yeah. and you know, if they're not doing something that everybody is all in for, I mean, why are we doing it? Um, and so, yeah, I think for us, we, we saw it as an opportunity to provide our kids some opportunity to have some agency and some choice and, you know, to be determined. We're seeing how it goes right now. We're a year in. But um I think some of the early signs are that our that they feel more empowered and engaged in what they've decided to spend their time doing. Um mm
1: that makes my so child my development comes out on the other side. <laughs> yeah, that makes my <laughs> child development heart so happy.
2: So are you homeschooling? Are you unschooling? Are you co-op so schooling? <laughs> it's a version of it's a version of unschooling, right? So they they are participating in a self-directed learning center which is a cohort of other students. Um but it's, you know, there's no teachers, there's no grades or tests or anything like that, but there are guides, there are adults who help them to think about how do I want to spend my time, how do I want to map out whether it's an apprenticeship or uh, map out um, a set of curriculum that I can pursue that allows me to accomplish some things I'm passionate about or learn some core competencies, and things like that. And right now, our, our oldest three are involved in it, um, and our youngest is still in a uh, private pre-K um, model uh, at a private school. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, tr- we've, we've done all of the various modes of schooling, uh, and this is our next attempt to try what what might work for, for them. Wow. And, you know, there's no one size fits all, right? Like, I mean, these are four four little people who are quick to remind me that they all have individual personalities. So uh, we'll see whether or not it works for each of them, but so, so far, that's still good.
3: Wow, that's so your oldest. Um, then, like, what would be her or yeah, her grade equivalent? Then, like, she's uh,
2: she would be like seventh grade, sixth, yeah. seventh grade. Um, so, sixth, seventh grade, fourth, fifth grade, kindergarten, first. I feel like yeah, this I is a just, test. Okay, what's getting- the other <laughs> one? <word?
3: laughs> yeah. I was curious just because, like, mine when the pandemic started was in the 10th grade. And so mm. even if we had wanted to do something like that, like, you know, at this point, like we're pushing, you know, we're looking at the finish line and getting to college yeah. and not a lot of room for that, but it's interesting. I also, um, leaned in, in a different way. It's, um, you know, I also, it would be remiss to like not acknowledge the privilege that it is to, ha- to be able to sit across mm-hmm. for your child when they're doing the virtual learning. Right. Because, yeah. you know, some parents, a lot of my friends, or a lot of my um, kids' friends, parents were still working right they had to go in they had to hit the you know yeah. jump in the truck or hit the amazon um you know the warehouse line and weren't able to see what was happening with their kids so i just like to acknowledge that you know that just to yeah. even be present to see what was going on um but yeah it's funny i began to see um like my kid <laughs> um his where he falls short right um kind of different from you um i i Yes, there were definitely things that our school could have done better, but I saw a lot of what my kid could do better. So <laughs> think,
2: you're like yeah. you're they're not the problem. You are my. Yeah, like right. sure. some of it,
3: you know, some <laughs> of it was them, but like I also saw, you know, like some little things, you know, like um, I his grades actually jumped during the mm. pandemic The first, and um, I should say he was in a private, he is in a private school, um, but we did go um virtual for that spring but his grades like jumped up because I was able to see oh my gosh you're sitting here listening to this like it's you know the Nickelodeon's channel and not your a lecture you should be taking notes you know <laughs> that kind of thing and so mm-hmm. um, he so needed they,
1: support that so he yeah. wasn't necessarily getting in the classroom right. that when right. you were there yeah That's that me. makes so much sense yeah
2: well, it makes me think about like the biggest thing that I saw across the network of schools that I work with was just executive functioning skills in particular yes. for students. Uh, it became very clear that, you know, there there's a, a real lack of executive functioning skills. And so you put a group of kids in front of computers and say, hey, go, you know, manage yourself, manage your time, manage your ability to focus and pay attention and do all of this, all the stuff that adults didn't want to be able to do, uh, wow. right, that working virtually, <laughs> right. And, and so, and then we are surprised when students were having social emotional challenges it's with you know, engaging with content. I mean, yeah, so I, I saw it as a huge opportunity to build some of that with the girls. And it sounds like you did as well with, with yeah. your son. And then I think it raises a whole other series of questions around, like, is that something that they should have been doing already in school? Exactly. Maybe, maybe not, you know, but, you Um, it was an opportunity to help build that for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We had a similar experience, especially with my older one. So she was in first grade when the kind of the shutdown happened and it became clear very early on that virtual schooling was not going to be a viable option for her. She is a a neurodiverse kiddo um, who really can't handle that level of screen time and engagement. And so she was just, we basically unschooled her (laughs) for that last part of that spring and just turned in pictures of her reading and writing to her, her teacher which was fine with for her teacher um, but what we noticed was that the kind of the daily meltdowns that she would come home with after school she would have this kind of, it's called after school restraint collapse, she would have them a lot. Um, sometimes school was so stressful that she'd get physically ill too. Um, those stopped entirely. She was a completely different kid from an emotional perspective once she was out of a school setting and we we realized like wow we didn't know how hard school was for her um as she got older she was able to tell us a little bit more about how if she was upset or sad during the day how scared she was that her that she would get in trouble with her teacher or that her peers would make fun of her it was just really stressful for an intensely sensitive kid who has some emotional you know regulation delays, perhaps. Um, So we went looking for other options for her for the next year. And now she's in this school where they uh, have um, really wonderful restorative justice practices. They have really great, um, very social and emotionally aware teachers. Um, their primary learning objectives are to love learning and learn how to learn as opposed to memorization um and so she's she's just a different kid now in a different school setting so i i i agree samuel we took this as an opportunity to change the way we were doing things instead of just and doing things because that's how you do them really getting intentional with them you know what i mean yeah um, yeah. Do you feel like as the world is opening back up and as you are kind of kids are getting back into activities? So Samuel, you were saying you were kind of overscheduled maybe with your kiddos. Um, I don't know, Nelda, if it, if that was the case for your son. Um, I know we were doing a lot more. Um, we've been we've been feeling really reluctant to kind of get back into the level of activities that we were in before um my one daughter wants to go back to gymnastics and the other one really just wants to play all day when she gets home from school um what Mm. are you noticing with kind of the intentionality um to which you're going to return to to normal are you returning are you crafting a new normal for yourselves and for your families what's going on there
3: yeah i would say a lot of our schedule is back but different, right? Because I think that the systems themselves are are different, right? so I have a basketball player, um, and who always mm-hmm. dabbled in a second sport, right? So it was either tennis or soccer or something else, and basketball. So we are no longer doing um, basketball five days a week plus games on the weekend because they just the practices just because of gym space and um, time that, that just didn't happen, right? For the first year after the shutdown, and I would say his senior year this year um, we were kind of maybe back to that a little bit more, like the seasons were full again. Um, but by that time, I would say that he needed that. Um, Mm. and you know, he needed the social interaction. Um, I think I also, you know, I have a gamer and so he was happy to stay at home. Like he was, (laughs) he was glad when things shut down, his life pretty much didn't, didn't change, you know, except for the going to practices. So yeah, I'm somewhat mindful of, of those things. So there's certain things but we're in Northern Virginia and uh, there's actually still a thing. A lot of things are still virtual. And so there's still a lot of COVID caution around our, in our community. So things haven't completely returned yet. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have a 12th grader, which I know it's different than you all. And so like, he's preparing to go off and colleges are up and running and, you know, and so mm-hmm. I going back to normal, I guess what you, what we used to call normal. Um, so kind of getting him, Trying to, to get him aware and developing habits to kind of keep himself safe and be cautious. But, um, you know, hey, good luck with that. Like I said, he's different than me. <laughs> <you. laughs> so,
2: yeah. I love that. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, I, I think, um, I, I think similarly, we've said, you know what, we, we don't want to go back to normal. Um, and I think we've taken some, Concrete steps. I mean, first of all, we've always had a bit of a. Uh, we've sort of been a bit hem- hamstringed in this situation because we have too many kids to everybody to do too many activities. So we <laughs> we've always had a sort of a listen. You know, a built-in do One or two different things because we can't follow y'all. And you know, we have a a, a network. We have a village. We can't. I mean, I, I'm blessed that like my mother-in-law, my sister, my sister. Like we have family who lives around us, almost within walking distance. So. You know the village is always there for various different activities and things and still you know like you know we i think we've always tried to find some ways to minimize but i will say i mean we are we're back to some things like you know attending church in person and that kind of deal um the girls are not really involved in a lot of ex- like extracurricular activities right now and they i love that they love that i mean we Go biking in the afternoons or you know we'll go on trips you know i don't travel as much as i used to yeah. um, i think all of those things can help i think um i do think that as my otis too, in particular continue to get older i mean they're you know I, I think we're sort of bracing ourselves for the next wave of you know all right what are the next set of activities that you will likely want to opt into Um, but I think right now, you know, they're not saying anything. We're not saying anything. So we're just gonna (laughs) enjoy this lull of uh of of just uh some good downtime uh and continuing to make, you know, we have dinner every day uh that that I'm here in town, which is most days now. So I you know, I'm like this is okay, we can keep this going for a little while. We're gonna see how long it lasts.
3: Can I ask (laughs) a question? Because it's a little different from my end, because uh, again, because when the pandemic started, um, Eric was in the 10th grade, um, getting college bound. And so it was stressful for all of us that there weren't activities, right? Because he's then having to look at college applications and having to explain, well, why is it that you've only done 20 hours of service? It's a pandemic, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing and, and activity. And so anyway, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if you all would, if you would see it differently, if your kids were a little bit older, because it, you're, it was a gift for you in a way. And yes, the schedule was definitely whew, like still a gift for me, love and Zoom still. Um, but um, it, right. it did cost some kind of, you know, like I said, yeah. and there's it's socially, too. I don't know if it's OK to transition to this, but like yeah. socially as a teenager, there is yeah. um, like I kind of my parenting heart was kind of divided in half. I could shelter not only keep him sheltered in place, but shelter him right from a little from things just a little bit longer because the world kind of shut down as we know it. But at the same time, this is now a, an 18 year old boy that hasn't been able to have some kind mm-hmm. of the traditional you kind of right to right of passage yeah. experiences and now is, you know, kind of expected to go into the world and and be a be a man and hasn't, you know you know, like they didn't have parties for two years, you know, or whatever. So yeah. you know, it's funny. We were having conversations about kind of getting him ready for college and, and just kind of he's like thinking, oh, well, I never been to a dance party. We never had him because he started the pandemic in high school and his things mm-hmm. shut down. And, you know, so it's just kind of interesting in a weird way. I'm eager for things to kind of I won't say it's going to ever be normal, but to kind of open up more. Um, because Mm. I want my child to have these experiences when he's with me right as opposed to kind of experiencing some things for the first time but you guys have the luxury that your littles are littles even your bigs are littles (laughs) even the bigs are littles this is true this
2: is true I wonder what it would look like if they were man that if they were older yeah because I mean I think the challenges that you're raising I mean those are
1: those are so, such important those
2: are, points. Yeah, and I, I have a number of friends whose kids were graduating during the pandemic. You know, they were having their supposed to be having their senior seminal moments, but then those yeah. things didn't occur. You know, they had to not have a, a formal graduation or you know not have that senior prom. And I mean, yeah, that's a that's a it's a wild thing to imagine not having those types of moments the way we had it. Though I, I wonder too if they're gonna kind of look back. I mean, they don't know it any different based exactly. on what this is their experience. That's you know, right.
3: this yeah, is- yeah. I was <laughs> devastated that Eric didn't have a homecoming dance, right? Like that, but he was like homecoming, whatever, you know. But, <laughs> but the things that are the things that really got him are driving. He learned how to drive in the pandemic, and, and um, uh, again, we live in Northern Virginia, DC, the, the DMV, DC metro area. And so, to learn how to drive with no traffic is one thing, and then to when the cars come back, that's <sighs> something completely different. So, like those are the things I'm more concerned about. Some of the he was like,
2: for. "Mama, you didn't prepare me for this. What you
3: is I'm this? all up on cars? <laughs> I'm used to driving fast, you know." <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and I mean, and
1: that's one of the things that is kind of our job as parents, right? Mm-hmm. To prepare them with the skills that they need to go out and be successful as adults. Yeah. And you were hampered by these, that, and the, you know, the, these past two years really got in the way of being able to do that for him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. He'll jump
3: into the deep end now, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that is, the. I mean, that's the other thing too, is that they are good. You know, they are good at, figuring things out and making a way and and he's also not alone in this you know so there's yeah. this whole generation of kids who were 16 when this went in he'll so he will have that shared kind of cohort experience too he'll go to college with a bunch of other people who haven't been to parties before you know or been to just a few. <laughs> all, they can all be yeah. awkward together <laughs> 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 um and, you know i just want to reassure you too that there were lots of people i was one of them who went to college never having been to a party before even when there wasn't a pandemic because some of us are are nerdy and awkward just all on our own without pandemics getting in the way <laughs> so he'll find his people for sure um okay so one of the questions that one of our coke scholars asked us was, um, about cell phone usage in kiddos. When is the appropriate age to give a child a cell phone? And what are some tips for keeping kids off the internet and social media? And I just want to like bow to the the folks who have older kids who are maybe in this age range. My kids are only nine um, and seven. We just got them a smart, like gizmo watch so that they can go to the park by themselves, you know? So that's, the closest to technology that we've really gotten. We stay super close to them if they are ever looking at YouTube videos. or sitting right next to them, um, and no, normally they don't play games by themselves. Just because, you know, they're they're little. They're not into it yet. So, those of you who are old, you know, have older kids. What are we thinking about um, the uh, age for which you're thinking about a cell phone for your kiddos?
3: Do you want to go first, Samuel?
2: Sorry, I was talking to one of my coworkers in the background. <laughs> That's um, okay.
3: I, I do you want me to speak my coworkers?
2: Yes, feel yes, free to Okay, jump in.
3: so yeah, so <laughs> I'll tell you what we did and what I did, and I'm not sure I'd recommend it to anybody, but um I think AirCut has first real cell phone around seventh grade, because what I noticed was that that cell phone was my cell phone. It was like when he started doing activities where he was kind of moving places or staying after school, like I needed that. Um, I felt like I needed that to track him. Right. Um, And, and honestly, I don't think he really, the phone (laughs) didn't really become a phone to him until maybe eighth or ninth grade when you start Mm -hmm. having kind of the, and again, he's a socially awkward boy, boy, he'd hate me for saying that, but um, you know, like he wasn't on the phone and doing those types of things. He was, it was, if he wasn't talking to me, he was like using it to, to try to get on games right Um, on his cell phone which I figured we had like a play, t- a PlayStation or whatever here. He didn't need to use his phone for that. And um, so we blocked, I blocked a lot of those things. And so I would say seventh grade w- or whenever the child um, became more kind of like physically mobile. <laughs> um, to kind and you of- needed
1: to be able to get in touch with absolutely, him. Absolutely. Yeah. But still had it kind of locked down so that you could Always. kind of customize his experience.
3: I have it locked down now too. And he's 18. And I figure as long as I'm paying for it. <laughs> so, you know, he That's said right. something the other day to me about, well, you don't need my phone. I was like, too bad you don't have a phone. <laughs> You're using my phone. <laughs> That's
2: right. I like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, we're on the beginning end of that. So, you know, my oldest, uh, Too, but in particular, my oldest has been asking for the last year or so, pretty earnestly. Hey, you know, when can I get a phone? And a lot of her friends in middle school are starting. To, middle school age are starting to get phones. Um, I so I've said this several times, and I try to not say things out loud uh, as a parent, like to my. I try to not, try not to make declarations, like right. statements of declarations, like this will not <laughs> happen. Cause I always get called on it and it never works. So, but I said <laughs> this out my face mouth several times over the years, no child of mine is going to have a phone unless you have a job. Because I purchased the phone when I started working in high school with the 90s. It's, you know, you don't have, you don't need a phone unless you have a job. Now I know it's times are different, blah, blah, blah. It is, I'm still pretty committed though to that reality, to be honest. Um, I'm also pretty committed to my girls working. So that's a whole other conversation. Like they will work a job period. No, your job is not like to get good grades. That's a given. Your job is to have a job. So you will have a job of some sort because you're gonna learn some of the things that come with working a job. But uh, you know, my wife is not really interested in that. She's like, we will likely get them phones because we will, all of the things that sensible people like yourself have just named and mentioned, like, you know, that'll likely happen. I. I assume it's going to happen in the next year or so for the Otis, to be honest. Um, I won't tell her that, but, uh, you know. Hope
3: she's not um, watching
2: your friend's phone. Right, and hopefully she's not watching (laughs) or listening. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, and and then we'll do, I mean, right now they have have an iPad that, you know, we have all of the controls and the, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that stuff for, and, you know, it's limited. I mean, right now we also have this thing where we keep all of our phones anyways, my wife and I. Like, we keep our phones in our office so that we can, Basically, so that once we do sort of go over the threshold with phones for them, so that they know like all phones go in the office, that's where your phone goes too at nighttime. So we'll figure out different things. But yeah, we have something similar. We We have something similar.
1: We keep all of our phones and devices in one drawer in the kitchen that Mm -hmm. just to create a culture yeah. of this is where phones go mom and dad's phones go there at night they go there during dinner they go there you know at yeah. sets periods of time for sure
3: we've tried i've tried to do that too and honestly i've had like a little just a little bit of six su- not a lot of success it's off it's often a point of like struggle in our household because the you know the phone you know, on the charger at 11, it used to be like 10, 10 the 10th, you know, the kind of the backing up time. And I hear my kids say it. I am the only parent ever that makes their child plug their phone up in a central location. But it's, if you, you know, to answer the part of the question that you said about kind of how do you kind of manage control? That's part of it. It's learning how to turn it off. Right. Because if left to his, you know, if left to his own devices, my kid would be on his phone. Now he has figured out they FaceTime, they do all sorts of things like on other apps and, you know, kind of talking to different friends. And they would do it all night long um, if, if left unchecked. And so that is a big thing. And also kind of I'm kind of old school. I grew up in Oklahoma, family from the south. My kid has like ingrained in him that any time like, I'm looking at his phone, or that I will monitor what what's being said on text photos. And so in a weird way, like I think he thinks I monitor it actually more than I really do now, but um... (laughs) I like it. Yeah, but like when he was yeah. younger, because like you see on this text, trans, his friends are saying, "Oh, you know, can't send that to Eric because Anelva's gonna read it." I'm like, "You doggone right, you know." So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So like, I just that accountability—that your kid knows that somebody is, you know, it's not an unchecked like universe for them. And the, you're wanting to keep them safe, right? right. It's
1: coming from a place yeah. of
3: wanting to keep them safe.
1: They don't. They don't that-
3: see that, Laura you know that,
1: right? I know that. I do know that. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, I for sure do. <laughs> I,
2: I had a crash course in that with we for uh, now five years ago. So before we had the the second set of littles, um, we we had our oldest two at the time who were, I don't know, seven and nine or something like that. And we had, we, um, we adopted and took in became the guardians of my, one of my nieces. She was 15 at the time. So we, Helped raise her through the end of high school, and so I remember, like I've had a snapshot of this phase with a high school girl raising her to a. Are you 10, having flashbacks? The <laughs> battles, oh yes, flashback. <laughs> the battles we had. Now, mind you, we you know we inherited a lot of the issues because she came to us with other issues, and we had to you know we didn't lay the groundwork, but the battles we had over phones and. All kinds, social media and everything, I mean, it did, it helped us to really think about, okay, with these other folks coming along, what do we need to do to set, put this in place so that we don't have some of those same battles? One of those things was, you know, we're going to delay, delay, delay as long as we can the whole phone, introducing phone, social media to them. So, you Their brains
1: aren't necessarily ready for it quite young, you know. They, the I don't know if you've seen this documentary on social media um, that Netflix did. A, I think a couple years ago now. Uh, they these pr- apps and programs are specifically designed to target our brains and using psychology in a way to make them more as as addictive as possible. Just like the scroll down feature on um, Instagram, you know, where you scroll with your thumb and it kind of like reloads. Do you know what I'm talking about? They base that off of the like the pull down on Instagram. They base that off of uh, slot machines because to access the same addictive like you know lottery you know gambling addictive parts of our brain it's a and most of those developers don't let their kids have social media accounts until they're at least 15 or 16 they try to keep you know those things as old old as possible so that their brains can develop because otherwise they don't have the executive functioning to really control it you know what I mean
3: Yep. We did the same thing. I was the, probably again, asked my kid, he was the last to get everything because of that, because <laughs> I just knew his yeah. socially was just wasn't mature wasn't enough ready. to kind of handle this. And it's hard to get it back. Right. Like, you know, again, I know you guys aren't thinking about college necessarily yet, but like, you know, your kids, you put something out there and it's out there, uh, you know, even if you can take it yeah. down it can be screenshot and shared and then sent to the wrong person. And so, um, yeah, it, but again, um, it's just a battle because like I, I had a lot of personal like in our house didn't didn't allow it. And yet he still kind of found ways to do different mm-hmm. things before. And so, um, again, I would just encourage anybody to have open conversations with your children about why. Right. It's not necessary yeah. that you're trying to control them or just because I said so. At least that never worked with my kid, but just tr- really trying to understand the, the safety and the big picture of things. And it will be there. It will be there. Yeah,
1: Yeah. absolutely. Um, Well, I wanted to circle in Nelda and um, Samuel. I didn't realize you had this experience too. um, For you know, so um, I know that. You adopted, Nelda, you adopted your, um, your son, um, from foster care when he was quite young. And Samuel, you had this experience of having a a child that you, um, kind of saw through to the end of her, her teen years. How has that been for you kind of bringing in a, in a a child and, um, how did that process go?
3: So actually I should clarify. So he was actually in foster by my aunt, who was um, his foster mother who had some health issues. She was much older. Um, he had the energy of like a, like an energizer bunny at age three, okay. and it became clear that she didn't have the energy to kind of keep up with him. And so then he came to, he came with okay. me. One of the things I would say um, to anybody who's out there is that there's never going to be a perfect moment. Right. I think that like, mm. I was always thinking, oh, you know, I wanted to have a bigger house or I wanted to have, you know, more space or this or that. But it's like when the time comes, you open yourself up to it and Mm. it's there's no there's no perfection needed, really. Um, And so it's been the best decision um, and probably the biggest job I've ever like the most important job I was. I always tell him, you know, I have a career. I went to school to study things and do things. But you are the thing that is the like, you know, that will be what I my life's work, you know, that's a, he's like, don't say that. I'm like, it's true though. Um,
2: yeah. Love true. that. Yeah. I love that. That's a proud mom right there.
3: Yeah. Something
1: like that. We'll see. <laughs> <I'm
3: just kidding.
0: laughs>
1: you all can't, see, you all can't see me, but I'm crying over
3: yes. here. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> I, I did, to do it alone, I think is a little different again, because I think that, um and I'm sure Samuel, you probably had this experience too, um is that For me, when you see a child in need, and especially for me, it was within my family, um, you know, other things kind of fall to the side a bit. Um, You know, I was on a career track and made choices. I I think you did, too, um, about um, just kind of what you're going to do with your job because you want to make sure that you're there and, and present. And, you know, I was working probably 70, you know, 60 hours on a good week before then working on Saturdays was nothing, you know, like, and you can't do that if you're, well, I'm sure you can, but like, it was hard to do that with a, with a child, you know? So I made some career changes because of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that you've said, whether it's the, you know, when you see the need and you, you make room, you know, in your family, you make room in your, in your home, you make room in your life. I mean, I think that's that's what it boiled down to for us in our household. Um, and, you know, I, our running joke, is we've taken in a lot of strays uh, over the years. And ho- at any given point in time, there's at least six or seven people here. <laughs> plus the people who like, those are the people who we, either we birth and they live in our household. <laughs> plus, you know, mother-in-law, sister, sister-in-law. So you, at any point in time, there's at least nine or 10 people in our house on a given day, potentially. <laughs> and so, you know, they're a big part of sort of what we have tried to do is create spaces where it's like, okay, this could be a space for our family and it could be a welcoming environment. It could be a place of refuge. And that that has meant that, you know, at times, I mean, you know, uh, the, this particular niece was the, the longest sort of more formal commitment that we've made, but we've had other nieces who've also lived with us for periods of time. And, you know, and I do think um, it's hard because, you know, I I think, I I think in some ways you are fortunate that you, a younger three-year-old that you, at least the foundation, you got to help mold a lot of that, right? I mean, we had a tremendous amount of struggles with a 15-year-old who had already really had a clear worldview and, and that kind of deal. But I think it, it, it taught us so much. I mean, there was a book that I was reading at the time when she came to live with us, 2017, called uh, Move Toward the Mess. Uh, and, you know, it was, you know, for us, it was all about like this idea of like, you know, what, what you got it all, for, what is all of this for anyways? You know, you have resources, you have opportunities, you have, you know, privileges and advantages, you know, and, and in our family, like we, my wife and I are both both fortunate that we have been able to get into a position to be able to, you know, serve and and help and, and, and do things like that. Because that was not, you know, I tell our kids all the time, y'all are growing up in a dramatically different way than your mother and I grew up, you know, she grew up in East Baltimore city poor, you know, I grew up in the country country poor like we had, we were both first in families for college different things. Like, you know, we had our own version of experiences and and, and so we've been able to afford a whole different level of things for our kids. And I do think a big part of this uh, experience for us has just been, you know, opening ourselves up to like what's come as That's we've, right. as we've gone through the process. So I, I loved hearing your description though, about like, you know, just being, being open and making room for, That's for the things, new things in life.
3: That's exactly right. Cause it was like supposed to be started off as like a three week visit for summer. And it's been, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like fourteen years. A three later.
2: Three-hour
3: right? tour. Having our Gilligan moment. But I think kind of even the biggest surprise to me. And I've worked in um, youth and um, family, like youth and children. Excuse me, not family. Youth and education policy um, before them. But I feel like the like when I look at stack up my work, you know, compared to like what I've done with my with my cousin and with all of the people and, and friends and things that we've come in contact because of him, right? Um, it's been a gift. I look at, you know, we're putting together all these senior collages, you know, you'll, you'll get there like in the 12th grade pictures. <laughs> and you look at this and you realize it wasn't just your, it wasn't just your child, right? It wasn't just my cousin. It's, it's his, the best friends, the basketball teammates, this, the that, you know, that you get to really make a difference or participate in the life of a child. And that has been a gift that he will probably fully n- never fully understand because um, we've been able to kind of participate and do things. I don't think I probably would have done if I was at work all the time, you know? So, mm. yeah.
1: No. I love that. Nelda.
3: Thank That's you. Why I'm that. so tired though.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this, idea of making room I feel like that's something that as parents we all have to do we have to make room for the hopes and the, the dreams and expectations that we had and we have to make room for the reality of the kids that we got yes. um, make room for their hopes and dreams which might be quite different than ours right mm-hmm. um oh that's a that's a big task that making room piece it's a big part of of parenting at least for me, it is. All right, so Samuel and Nelda, one of the things that we do here at the um, SIP podcast is the fast five towards the end, where I ask, uh, where the the person who's kind of moderating asks the the guests um, some quick, fast answer questions that you're supposed to answer kind of on the fly, fast, without thinking about it. Are we ready for this? I think so. Okay. All right. So the first one is, um, and you guys, um, let's have Nelda, you go first on this one. Okay, and then Samuel. Um, What are two apps or websites that you cannot live without? Facebook
3: and Google Docs. Okay,
2: yeah. (laughs) What about you, Samuel? Mm Oh, two apps. Um, (laughs) Probably Mint. Uh, I use mint.com a lot. Uh, It's like a budgeting finance thing. Um, And probably sleep tracker right now. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Let's see. Mine are um, Spotify because I like music to listen to music. And then the probably Instagram, most of my work (laughs) is on Instagram. So work has to happen there. Um, okay. So next question, Samuel, you're up first. If I looked at the music on your iPhone or iPod right now, what would most surprise me?
2: Most surprise you. Um, I don't know if it'd be surprising, but I have a ton of Disney on my, uh, playlist. So I don't know if it'd be surprising given given my kids and whatnot, but Low key Incanto is just a really good soundtrack. I don't know who's not liking that soundtrack. So, you know. Also, what I was going to say, the number (laughs) of times
1: we don't talk about Bruno has been played. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's mine too. Okay. Nelda, what about you? That's
3: funny. Well, in the spirit of Encanto and, um, um, linwin Mel um, um who i believe is like the genius of our times is like the number of times that the hamilton soundtrack has been played <laughs> consistently on, on my iphone it's embarrassing and it truly is <laughs>
2: love it he love is it.
3: amazing
1: though so he gave us Encanto, he gave us moana mm-hmm. hamilton yeah. so much in the height yeah Ooh, gosh. So good, chills. Okay, so Nelda, you're up next. Favorite book or piece of music or art that has helped or inspired you in your life?
3: Um, honestly, the first thing that came to mind, and I'll just, so I'll just say it, is um, Green Eggs and Ham. Um, mm. I'm explain it right. Just, I'm just supposed to say it. So Green Eggs. Yeah, and Ham. just say it. <laughs> Go for it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Samuel? Um, I, I'm just going to use the book that I'm reading right now, which is Black Joy um, by mm-hmm. Tracy, Tracy Michael Lewis G- Giggots. Uh, I never know how to pronounce her last name, but that's, that's giving me life right now.
1: Oh, I love that. Mine is a book of poetry, um, that I'm reading right now, um, by Young Pueblo. Um, Young is spelled with, um, out an O, so Y-U-N-G, um, and he has this great book, gosh, that I'm now, like, I think it's Connection and Clarity is the name of it, that is just gorgeous writing about relationships um so if you're looking for a book of poetry about relationships it's beautiful all right samuel what is a quote or motto do you live your life by
2: oh a quote or motto that i live my life by urgent things shout important things whisper listen to the whispers i it's on my google it's like on my away message it's like Everyone who knows me professionally, at least for sure, hears me talk about this, you know, urgency, important things all the time. And I'm like, nah, most of the things that are urgent are just things that used to be important. And now you don't need to focus on them because you got to focus on important things. So urgent things, shout, important things, whisper, listen to the whispers.
1: Oh, I feel like I got chills with
3: that one. Thank you for that. Nelda, what about you? uh, Mine, again, I'm known for it. Like, it's not... um... As profound as yours but master yoda do or do not there is no try yeah. has been my motto There is no was a try <laughs> yes <laughs> that's right do or not there is no try so
2: <laughs> love it
1: love it mine is a quote by uh, a, a respectful parenting person um from a long time ago she's long gone now but um she said begin as you mean to go on and I just feel like it's just starting out, you know, with parenting with the things that you're doing with the energy that you mean to end with, you know, really just, yeah, begin as you mean to go on. That's something that I bring to my,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. And so our last question is what makes the Coke scholar program or network
3: unique? I can say this as the first scholar, and again, worked in education. Sorry, this is a long answer. Sorry. Um, it's okay, do it. <laughs> the fact that this, you know, it's I've graduated from high school 100 years ago, and I'm still connected to this network of scholars. And I know no other program that does it like the Koch Scholar Network does. It's not just giving you a check. Well, the check is nice, don't get me wrong. But um, the sense of community and um, connect connectedness that the foundation fosters is just a step above all else. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I ditto everything you just said. I mean, I, what's been unique for me as well is because I've been in Atlanta the last two plus decades, you know, I've had a personal connection to the Scholars Foundation and the scholars, you know, the people who run that foundation. So, I mean, key moments, I worked at the Scholars Foundation throughout college because I lived in Atlanta and went school here the day that I proposed to my wife, like I was talking to the people at the foundation and I showed them the rig. I mean, like I, there's a connection. They know all my kids have been there over the years, multiple times. Like there's just a connection to Coke that yeah. my family has that's woven through my story from a teenage years to to now. And so, yeah, I, I don't have any, any kind of connection like that to, to yeah. another entity. Uh, yeah.
3: So, I think- I, I'm, I'm, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Ahead. No, oh, no, I'll go ahead and add that because like, sorry to add this is that. Um, So when I first met my, my cousin, when he first fostered, I was actually in Atlanta for a Coke event. So it's kind of weird that I actually met my child.
2: There you the go. Moment. Yes.
3: I love that. That's so good. And, you know,
1: I feel like it's been for me, it's been like that, like, a really good friend from your past that no matter like how long you've been apart from that, you can always just like pick right back up with too. There's some nice like consistency and security. Like there, are like, the network is just always there, right? Like right there. When you have a space and time in your life where you can come back to it, there's a space for you to be involved. Um, which is really nice. We don't always have that kind of security in, in the world. Whew, okay. We did it. Thank you so much. Just everybody, want to just take a second. You know, if there's places that you want to would like to connect with um, with other Coke scholars to like drop kind of a a social or a way to get in touch. um, If you if you want to, if if the people who are listening are like, oh, I really liked her. I want to reach out and talk to Nelda about something. Or same for Samuel. Do you want to just drop a little bit of some? I know that we'll have some links in the show notes, but sometimes it's nice for listeners to hear it out loud.
3: Oh, Samuel, you'll better go first because my kid is not here to tell me like what mine are.
2: So I have to like, at- like wait. What is my aunt?
3: I know. Exactly. Uh- How do you say that? Like, because he's my tech. Less your teenagers become your in in house tech. So.
2: Okay, I I believe that. I believe that. Um
3: Okay, and- so for now, just see the show. Tell notes. You. <laughs>
2: but- As I say, they also become the people who tell you, especially if it's a teenage girl, like "Which, uh, what you wearing? That's no, that's no good." Uh, I mean, (laughs) it's not okay. (laughs) Uh, I lived through that, and I was like, "I don't want any more of that." Uh, How do I make sure that doesn't happen again? Um, (laughs) So she did up my style. So I don't know. Maybe that was a good thing. Um, So at Wakefield, at at S Wakefield three, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, uh, That's really the only social media that I'm really on. I'm on Instagram, but not really. Um, and I'm on Face Smash or Facebook or Instabook or whatever it's it, but not really either. Um, but probably EverydayFatherhood.com is is where most people can follow me uh, because that's like where I blog a lot about my fatherhood experiences. So, if you're looking for something, you know, an interesting perspective from a dad a
1: good place to go. Sam, we should have you on my podcast sometime. I think that would be so cool. Um so yeah. yeah. So I have a podcast called The Balanced Parent. If folks are looking for a parenting podcast, we talk about everything from from parenting, you know, especially spirited, challenging kiddos. Um, And, you know, I have my PhD in marriage and family therapy. So we talk about relationships and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, And then I also am on Instagram. You will find me doing silly reels and making fun of myself with dances because I'm still nerdy and awkward.
3: Um, But luckily I can do that and make money doing it. great right i am on instagram but mainly only really to follow my kid um but so (laughs) my handle there is at cousin Nelda. I guess like one word cousin now that's what Eric calls me and on Facebook um not a helpful blog or a podcast like yours Laura but a place where I vent mostly about being my parenting journey on Facebook so that's the only reason I started a Facebook page so that I could vent about my kid
1: (laughs) I mean the the like collective venting and being real and raw with each other is so helpful I think as parents all right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. That was so great. I, I think that that's it.
0: We hope you enjoyed the third episode of season three of The SIP, featuring Samuel Wakefield, Nelda Brown, and Dr. Laura Freyan. To read their full bios, or to learn more about the tools and resources they discussed, check out our show notes or visit coca Foundation.org. And if you have an extra minute, we would love for you to rate the podcast, leave us a review and subscribe so you'll be the first to receive new episodes. Tune in in a couple of weeks for episode four, where four Koch scholars will discuss the important topic of mental health. Until then, see you next time on The Sith. Bye now.